This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, Nasdaq makes puro carbon play, while London looks very much game on, not game over, as the media might prefer to suggest. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, Episode 97. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Reuters have postponed their website paywall amid a dispute with Refinitiv that, as you can recall, we discussed in the last podcast. Whether the London Stock Exchange Group can save itself from the Refinitiv folly is one entirely separate thing, but at least it appears Paternoster Square is saving Reuters management from their imbecilic decision to kill their brand through a subscription fee, thus pushing web-savvy readers to the generic licensed feeds already widely available from the interweb of Reuters News. Elsewhere, FASE, that's the Federation of European Securities Exchanges, they issued a genuine cri de coeur as they hosted their virtual annual conference on June the 1st. Europe must foster transparent markets to remain competitive, went the simple but efficient headline. The tragic truth is that after a wasted decade, the European Union isn't serious about a capital market union. It's more a kind of financial services abyss than anything coherent, which is a huge letdown for the ever-diligent FASE folks. Over in the Philippines, the president of the Philippine Stock Exchange, Ramon Monzon, is hyper-optimistic. His exchange saw the largest Philippine Stock Exchange IPO in history launch successfully this week. Despite a little bit of soggy pricing on day one, the mega noodle concern Mond Nissen came to market successfully. Meanwhile, back in the European Union, Brexit remains a concern for the panjandrums of Brussels and indeed Frankfurt, albeit they may wish to concern themselves more with a myriad of the other EU problems it's facing. However, the fact that London has crept back to within an inch of Amsterdam in equity trading only months after the Brexit trade arrangements came into force, has clearly unnerved both the European Commission in Brussels and indeed the European Central Bank in Frankfurt. The central bank boffins of the Eurozone are minded to crack down on desk mapping in London to drive more bankers and capital to the European Union. That amounts to a perfect horse-bolt repo, with a side order of deftly trying to push the jack back into the box while wearing large industrial-scale gloves. The European Union's determination to commit economic suicide writ large reflects the real politique of what we've reported for years. ESMA has failed to bully companies to be more substantive in the positioning of staff who actually don't want to live in the high-tax, heavily regulated European Union, but prefer London's cosmopolitan delights. 
The European Union refuses to accept this, so has begun more high-handed tactics, as, for instance, Amsterdam's recent stock trading successes, which actually remain fuelled by M25 commuters around the London stockbroker belt. In results, it was a busy week for results in the parish. All the deals were, of course, in Exchange Invest Daily. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. GPW, the Warsaw Stock Exchange, excellent quarterly report. EBITDA up 23% year on year. Revenues only, in inverted commas, up 13% year on year, but very strong bottom line results. Also this week, the Warsaw Stock Exchange effortlessly oversaw the 23 billion zloty, that's 6.3 billion US dollar, listing of Pepco. Pepco, of course, being perhaps most famous as Poundland on the high streets of Britain and elsewhere. Over in Sofia, the Bulgarian stock exchanges, their net profit was rising healthily to net profit up to 1.9 million levs, that's $1.2 million, from what was one year ago, just 1.3 million levs. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent, You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. It was also a very busy week for deals in the parish, and again, all of the deals were in Exchange Invest, the daily bourse business water cooler. The highlights of this week, well, one major deal, first of all, NASDAQ have acquired an emerging carbon removal platform, Puro Earth. What a very interesting deal. The Finnish startup in which Nasdaq has bought a majority stake is already operative. It's got a fast-growing carbon market. And announcing this deal, Nasdaq came just one week after Singapore's much-trumpeted startup venture, Climate Impact X, which itself hopes to be running by the end of the year. With clients like Microsoft already on board, Puro Earth has a firm claim on that very dot-com era concept of first mover advantage. It's a fascinating purchase by the Bjorn Sibern-led European arm of NASDAQ. Elsewhere, NSX Limited, that's NSX, the National Stock Exchange of Australia, they're pleased to announce that they successfully concluded a capital raise of around 3.5 million Australian dollars at a share price of 14 cents. They also celebrated a new IPO listing this week, Azure Health Technology to boot. The funding round has seen controlling shareholders, I sign this, increase their stake in NSX to some 20.018% of the NSX exchange itself. I sign this also controls the delivery versus payment company ClearPay Pty Limited, with the National Stock Exchange of Australia holding 41%, and I sign this the majority 59%. And a final splash of technology-driven deal news this week: Ion Group have completed their acquisition of Dash Financial Technologies. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, there's still time to buy Victory or Death, blockchain cryptocurrency in the fintech world. 
my most recent book to try and help you understand how technology is affecting life and markets. That comes 20 years on from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller by yours truly, Patrick L. Young, Capital Market Revolution. Victor Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World is an easy read, explaining the differing and diverging role of banks and exchanges, the winning business models of the new world order, and placing in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency mean for markets. Victor Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victor Death to arrive, don't forget to check out our live stream. That's on Tuesdays at 6pm London. Coming this week, we have the inimitable New York Stock Exchange floor trading personality, Kenny Policari, who's going to be discussing stock trading, the history of the NYSE, and much, much more. In the meantime, don't forget, you can catch the back episodes on YouTube via IPO-vid, and the live stream comes to you weekly via Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course, YouTube. In Cryptoland, Coinbase have cut fees on stablecoin pairs as their market in the products has grown 10 times in six months. That sounds remarkably cheap for Cryptoland, but on second reflection, they're charging a basis point for what amounts to a fiat money proxy token. Now that strikes me as tantamount to larceny, akin to those booths at airports where the staff wear white short-sleeved shirts but channel swarthy men on horseback wearing tricorn hats brandishing flintlock pistols. Russia, the central bank, has blacklisted major FX brokers and crypto exchanges. An extensive list of some 1,800 FX brokers and crypto exchanges have been blacklisted in a central bank document which raises some eyebrows. Anybody not explicitly regulated or registered in Russia has been blacklisted. Thus, that includes the likes of industry brokerage titans like Interactive Brokers. Back in Cryptoland, the SEC's chairman, Gary Gensler, is moving more cautiously than hoped for on Bitcoin ETFs. Some insiders are disappointed that the SEC chairman, Gensler, is moving more cautiously on permitting Bitcoin ETFs, whereas Exchange Invest has noted repeatedly that the crypto kiddies are at best naive and at worst utterly delusional about what Gary Gensler is going to do to the market. Fifty Shades of Gensler is coming to crypto and beyond. Product news this week. China have launched the first options that are open to foreign investors at the same time as new Eurex derivatives will help facilitate exposure to the Chinese equity market. Vanguard, the mega fund manager, they're swapping benchmark providers on two index funds with combined assets of $75 billion, dropping Nasdaq in favour of S&P Dow Jones. And finally in product news this week, Spimex, that's the St. Petersburg International Mercantile Exchange. They may launch natural gas futures trading by the end of the year. Technology news this week, well, a mixture of hitches, hassles and some interesting developments. In India, the National Stock Exchange and the Bombay Stock Exchange both conducted a full day's live trading from their disaster recovery sites on Friday the 28th of May. At least their systems worked. First, Vietnam's Ho Chi Minh Exchange went down last Monday morning and then Tuesday afternoon too as the Vietnamese Ho Chi Minh market was struggling to cope with 50% volume growth in the month of May alone. A 20-year-old tech stack may not be conducive 
to reliability either. Then Saudi Arabia's Tadawul lost two hours trading on Wednesday due to an, at the time of recording, unspecified error in their trading system. Let's hope it's just a one-off. In a more interesting development, Google Cloud have launched Data Share for Financial Services, helping the capital markets industry share market data more securely and easily. Gosh, here we are up in the clouds. In a fascinating and potentially seismic move, Google Cloud have launched their data share in financial services that they claim ought to help the capital market industry share market data more securely and easily. The only question being whether the incumbent data warehouses really want easier transmission of data. I suspect not, as it threatens their cosy monopolies. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Meanwhile, in a report by Selent and Nasdaq about future technology deployment for financial market infrastructures, I was surprised to read that some 65% of market infrastructure CIOs see cloud technology as a fundamental and expanding part of their software development. Researchers are estimating a 27% increase in cloud-ready applications between 2021 and 2025. I am not really sure why this is not 100% instead of just 65%, at least in the stack apart from those ultra-low latency, high-frequency trading elements. Why is cloud use not increasingly the way to go? Elsewhere, BMLL, their 15 petabyte lake of equity data, is being linked up to Ticksmith and Flextrade. In regulation news this week, we had a classic example of all that ails the European Union with a Reuters story. Wirecard wake-up call prompts EU company reporting reform. Germany's regulators manifestly failed to regulate Wirecard, the payments company. The summary sacking of BaFin, that's the German regulator's top bosses, was a good starter reaction. But the attitude of national protectionism and parochialism remains a blight on Germany's regulatory landscape. Then again, in the era of the sublimely inept Angela Merkel, the regulators probably felt badly treated at being found culpable and fired, given Merkel's abject incapabilities. And yet, she still clings to her office. Now, on the broader EU canvas, we have the usual dog-tail-wag rumba of ever-increasing bureaucratic remit driven by the insanity of the European Union's perverse, guiding, precautionary principle. As the German regulators failed, therefore, the EU wants company reporting reform, thus extending the sclerosis of enterprise which Brussels represents and actively promotes, leading to the inevitability of descent into economic stasis. Elsewhere this week, a survey of leading startups, albeit truly beyond scale-ups one and all, with many of them even unicorns, found 53% hampered and complaining about European Union bureaucracy. The other 47% were presumably too busy trying to understand the EU's anti-enterprise protectionist approach to actually reply. Career paths news this week in People News. Another little coup for the perma-incredible Doc Richard Sander. As BlackRock co-founder Barbara G. Novick has joined the board of the American Financial Exchange. 
To the east of Chicago, Ian Nareen has been elected chairman of the board of the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, replacing Ray A. Sumersing. There was an amazing scene this week when a prodigal son repo moment took place with a campanological centerpiece in Budapest. Interactive brokers have added a new market to their cornucopia of exchange memberships, an empire upon which the trading sun never sets. Actually, equity trading members since 2017, interactive brokers have now upped scale and opened their new CEE-SEE trading hub in Budapest, marking a great leap forward for the Budapest Financial Centre. The ceremony this week marked a return to his birthplace for IBKR's founder Thomas Petterfee, who fled the strictures of communism for the then-progressive, as opposed to today's progressively regressive, climbs of the United States of America. Petterfee rang the bell of the Budapest Stock Exchange in celebration of IBKR becoming full members of the exchange and boasting a significant local office space. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for joining this, the 97th Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. We'll be back again with the podcast next week. Don't forget, in the meantime, you could be reading all the Bourse Business Water Cooler News daily in Exchange Invest. If you'd like to sign up, drop by exchangeinvest.com and let us know. We'll give you a free 30-day trial to get you started. And of course, on Tuesday evening, don't forget to drop by IPO Vid, the live stream, which you can catch on LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube. Once again, my name is Patrick L. Young. Have a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.